Hi, Kara. This is uh, May the 3rd message, New Normal. It's time to take it to them. Good morning, Gateway Church. So great to have you joining with us today on Gateway Church Live. If you're visiting, we want to say we welcome you. Um, if you're part of the family, we want to say we love you as well. And we're so glad that we're joined together today in this way. And I'm just going to invite you to pray with me before we open up the Word of God today. Lord, thank you for your Word. Thank you that your Word uh, works in our thoughts and works in our hearts. Thank you that your Word makes the path uh, in front of us more clear. Lord, thank you that your Word gives us faith and confidence. And so, Lord, as we come to you today, Lord, whatever it is you want to say to us, work in us, Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would have... have uh, um, our ear, that our ear would be tuned to you, and our hearts would be tuned to you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, we're seeing lots of innovation these days, aren't we? Uh, all the, all the uh, uh, shifts and changes in how things have to be done, we're just seeing lots of new ways of doing things, and I'm sure we're going to see more in the days ahead, but I think there's probably some of us that are wishing for things just to go back to exactly how they used to be. We're kind of like looking longingly at the days that used to be. And I'm not going to argue whether they're going to go back to the same way or not. Um, but I want to encourage you, you know, it was very much the same thing happening in Jesus' day as well. You know, Jesus was an innovator and he was starting the church uh, you know, things had been the same way for hundreds of years. Religion was led by a privileged small group of people in specially designated temples. And uh, Jesus came along and he started a, a new system of worship. He started a new system of discipling and developing people in, in relational groups. And he released people to minister God's word to their, or God's love to their neighbors. Take God's love and God's glory and goodness to their neighbors. And so he had upset, was upsetting uh, some people who were kind of stuck in the familiar systems. You know, uh, it was upsetting their comfort level. And even though things weren't really going so great, uh, people still liked things the way they were because they were used to it. It was comfy and cozy. And uh, I just want to talk to you parents for a minute. I'm a parent. I'm a grandparent. Parents, you know, there's a temptation that we have sometimes to take, uh, to make things comfy and cozy for our kids and our grandkids, you know, just to make things safe. But, you know, that's actually opposed to the message of Jesus. You know, Jesus is calling us, calling everyone and our young people, though, to risk it all for him. He's asking them to lay it all down for him. He's asking them to give up their lives, you know, their hopes and dreams and so on. That's what Jesus is calling. Jesus called young people to count no cost too high, uh, not just to, to spend time with him, not just to read the word or whatever, you know, get up early, you know, every day and spend a few minutes in devotions. He was not asking them for that. He was asking them for their whole lives, their hopes and dreams and and what they were going to live for. That's what Jesus was asking for. He called them to live radically and outside what was the norm. He was calling them to a new normal, right? Today we're reading from the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is engaging young people in his mission. 
You know, they're young, they, these, these, like, when I say young people, like young adults and young married people and, and so on, and they were sold out. They were going for it. They were changing the world. They're, they were defeating the works of the devil. They were, they were seeing people's lives transformed and changed that were in bondage and so on. And, uh, and, uh, it was just happening. Young people were winning victories with their faith. And, and, and then the Bible says what Jesus felt about these radical young people in verse 21. It says, in that hour, the Holy Spirit filled Jesus with joy. <laughs> you know, that word joy in the original language, that's like, it actually describes like exceedingly abundant joy. Like it's kind of like the kind of joy that explodes your heart, right? It's just like, I can't contain any more joy. I'm just so happy. You know, probably like tears of joy, laughter or whatever, excitement, jumping and all that stuff. And even though you got to imagine this, that Jesus was in a challenging time himself in the day that he lived in, then he was calling people to a high level of commitment, a high level of invitation. I'm, I'm saying, you know, he, it's one thing to invite people, you know, over to your house for a barbecue or something. And, you know, we're going to provide all the food. And would you come? And they say yes. And that's like, yeah, I'm so excited they're coming. But Jesus was like inviting young people to follow him and then pay the price. Lay it all down, right? And so this is the kind of invitation that what Jesus was given and during that time, the Bible says there was a lot of joy. There was a lot of excitement, anticipation of what God was going to do because lots was being accomplished. People's lives were being touched and changed and so on. And so during that time, this was all going on. A young guy who had been living a comfy, cozy life come and he comes and he questions and he quizzes Jesus on this high level of commitment that he's requiring and I want to just say to you, you know, if you're stepping out to follow Jesus, if you're stepping out to live for Jesus in a high commitment, in a high level of invitation, you're willing to pay the price, you're willing to do anything to live for him. You just want him to work in your life. You want him to work through your life. You want to make a difference in this world for Jesus. You know, what's going to happen is there's going to be some people that come and question this high level commitment that you're living at. And that's what happened in this day. So this guy comes and I just love uh, how Jesus responds. It just makes me smile because it's so smart. He doesn't actually answer the question. He just asks the guy back, well, if you don't like what I'm doing, what would be the highest and best way to live our lives then? What, what would you suggest? And so this guy comes out and he says in Luke 10 verse 27, he says, this is what we should do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, which is just hilarious to me because he's like saying, he's just saying, why, what, what more could you give God, right? That's, that's pretty much everything in that list, right? He's just saying, we should love God with everything we got, right? We should be living radical lives to love God. And then the second thing he says is love your neighbor as yourself, which is again, another radical statement. Imagine loving your neighbor like you love your own self or you love your own family. Like you're willing to give anything for your neighbor. Can you imagine that? That's how we love their neighbors. This is exactly what Jesus was calling people to in his new normal. And for Gateway, our new normal isn't a different vision really either. It's just a clearer vision of how the church can be more effective 
in how we live in our situation, in our normal. And so I want to give you two obvious signs that we're living in a new normal. You might be saying, are we living in a new normal? Are things going to go back? Well, here's two signs that we're living in a new normal. Number one, the way we worship changes. You know, in Jesus' day, the way that they were worshiping changed. The worship came out of the temple and it became something that people could do themselves. And worship uh, for us is moving outside the walls of the church. Here we find ourselves this morning worshiping in our living rooms or in our bedrooms or wherever you find yourself this morning. Worship is being restored in people's homes, in people's families. Love for Jesus is being declared. And the power of Jesus is being declared in families. I just love that. The presence of Jesus is visiting you in your homes or wherever you are, maybe in your business place, wherever you're watching this. Wherever you are, the presence of God is coming. So instead of complaining, worship is rising. Instead of, instead of uh, worry, faith is rising. Instead of hard-heartedness, our hearts are being transformed with soft hearts as the presence of God and the Holy Spirit comes and visits us in our families and homes. I just love that. I just imagining transformation happening in your family, in your home as worship is, is moving outside the walls of the church. And another obvious way, sign uh, that we're in a new normal is the way we love is changing. The way we love is changing. You know, uh, Jesus, Jesus day, he was releasing people to go and radically love their neighbors. And uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit about how Jesus showed us how to love our neighbors. And so in Matthew chapter eight, there's a great account of this uh, that I think that can really be applicable to our own lives and our own situation right now. In Matthew chapter eight, verse two and verse three, in verse two, it says, a man with leprosy came and he knelt before Jesus. So just kind of imagine this man who has this untreatable, uh, infectious, highly infectious disease. Uh, here we are in a time very similar, right? Uh, uh, if you had uh, leprosy, you had a life expectancy of about 10 years and then you would die. It started simply with just tiredness and, and joint pain and then it would move to, to scaly skin and sores and spots and then you'd develop these lumps and it'd become pussy and your face would start changing shape. Your voice would change because you'd get gross on your vocal cords. Your body would start to break down and decompose. And then you'd become very smelly and stinky. And, and then if you had leprosy, you when you're out on the street, you'd have to yell really loud, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I, I'm, I'm unclean. You know, don't come near me. You know, no one touch me. You know, leprosy just puts you in this, this spot of isolation and it robbed you of your freedom. It, it, it gave you a new identity of being unacceptable and unlovable. It, it took your ability to, to go into the temple to encounter the presence of God in worship. It, it destroyed your relationships, your friendships, your family. It just took everything from you. You no longer could be in the presence of anyone. You couldn't be touched or loved. In verse 3, it says, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. So imagine, not only did Jesus let this guy come into his space, you know, he didn't say, oh, wait, two meters, social distancing, you know, stay back. You know, I'll just say a word and you'll be healed. And then, 
No, he allows this guy to come right up. He kneels there. And then the Bible says he reached out and he touched the man. And he said, I am willing. And he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. You know, if you think about it, Jesus didn't have to touch him. He could have just said, you know, stand back there. It'll be okay. And I'm sure everybody that was with Jesus, you know, they're all kind of like, whoa, I'm, I'm keeping my distance from this, this guy. I don't want to catch what he's got. And I just asked myself, why do you think Jesus touched this guy? Why did he touch him? He didn't have to. But if you think about it, Could it be that he needed more than just to be healed of leprosy? You see, Jesus knew that he needed healing for his rejection. He needed healing for his loneliness. He needed to be loved. And he knew that he needed, he had the opportunity, and so he loved him. You know, most of you listening to this right now understand a little bit about loneliness and isolation. Some of you are going to have felt it more than others. We've all been in it. We've all been isolated. But some of you are feeling it right now more than others. What I mean is some of you are struggling with some serious health battles right now. You think, no one else knows what I'm going through. I'm going through this all by myself. I'm carrying this sickness in my body, and no one understands what I'm going through, and I feel alone in this. Some of you are going through financial pressures. You're carrying financial weight on you. On your, It feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And you feel like you're all alone. You don't even want to tell people about it. You feel ashamed about it. You feel embarrassed by it. And you just feel alone in this financial battle. Some of you are going through family challenges, difficult circumstances, challenging relationships. You might be in separation. You feel like you're just juggling and trying to balance everything alone. And the world is just passing you by. You see on Facebook, everybody else seems happy. Everybody's posting about what they're going to do. And here's you. You feel alone. You're, you feel broken. And you feel like you don't have a future. And you feel alone. Some of you could be teens. And you feel like you have no friends. You feel like you're not popular enough. And you don't feel like you can do anything to change your life. And you feel alone. Some of you could be working as frontline workers and you've seen things that have damaged your heart and have hurt you so significantly. You just feel wounded and you feel alone like no one else understands. Some of you are alone and you feel lonely. You know, relational poverty or loneliness was a problem in our society before and it was kind of hidden. But now, during this pandemic, it's becoming more and more clear that people are alone. People feel alone. And Jesus is showing us that in order to love our neighbors, we have to be in their space. We have to let them be in our space. And more than that, we have to be willing to do something that will touch their lives. Because that's how you affect loneliness and isolation and rejection. Jesus touched on the leper, didn't just heal his disease, it healed his loneliness. Touch is what cured him of his rejection. Right now, more than ever in the new normal, people need a touch from Jesus. And you know what? You are just the neighbor 
to do it. Now you heard me right. People need a touch from Jesus and you are the neighbor to do it. He's calling you to live at a high level of commitment, a high level of image. That's why. Because he's calling you to touch people that other people wouldn't touch. He wants you to love people in a radical way. So how do we touch someone when we can't touch anyone right now during COVID-19? Well, the first way we can do it is we can listen. You know, one of the best ways to connect with someone is to give them just a chance to talk. And I experienced that yesterday with one of my neighbors. I just gave them a chance. I just said hi, asked them a question, and they talked to me for quite a while. I just had such a great time visiting and listening. You know, Jesus could have been repulsed by this guy. He, he could have just said no to listening to him. He just could have avoided him and made excuses. But he took time to listen and understand the real issues that were going on in his life. You know, listening shows you care. It shows you understand. You don't have to be the fixer of every problem, but you can be a listener and you can touch someone's life by showing that you care and understanding. Understand. Right now, a great way to touch someone is to just simply listen. Another way that we can touch someone when we can't touch anyone is to stop. Whoever God puts in front of you is God's assignment for you, right? So I think sometimes we think of people that come through our path in the day are just interruptions. They're problems that we deal with and we want to avoid them. But we have to stop seeing people as problems and interruptions and we have to see them as God's assignment for us. You know, Jesus stopped and this man became his most important assignment in his day. If we all would fulfill the assignments with people that God gave us every day, just imagine how many people would be loved and cared for. Sometimes God puts a person on your mind just to pray for, to maybe do, uh, make some kind of a love action towards. You're uh, maybe walking down the street and you see a neighbor and you think, oh no, I don't have time to talk. And you try to avoid them or you look the other way. You could hurry by or you could stop to listen. Someone might be having difficulty and we notice someone having a problem and we could look the other way and think someone else should deal with that. <laughs> I want to encourage you right now. A great way to touch someone is to stop and give them your time. Here's four practical ways that you could touch someone this week. Number one, a phone call. You know, I know it sounds old-fashioned, and some of us feel insecure about phoning, but, you know, if you could spend 15 minutes, just give someone a call and just ask them some questions. Let them tell you how things are going. Give them an opportunity to, to open their heart up to you a little bit. A phone call can really be an encouraging way to touch someone's life. Another great way is a card or a letter. And we can write a card in our own handwriting. Maybe you got messy handwriting, that's okay. But to get something in someone's handwriting, it's personal. And it just makes a personal impact on you. And you could just simply ask them, you know, how are you doing? You could, you could remind them of a time that they impacted your life. Maybe there's a special memory that you share. You could remind them of a card or a letter can really touch someone's life. A random act of kindness, yard work. I mean, this is a great time of year 
uh, for random acts of kindness because there's lots of things, little things that could be done. Washing windows, walking the dog. How about picking up some doggy doo-doo in someone's yard? I mean, that'll tell them that you really think a lot of them. How about dropping off a coffee on their front step and uh, just giving them a little love? Uh, um, how about acts of generosity? You know, sending a care parcel, ordering skip the dishes for somebody, sending them some flowers, maybe making a meal, ordering a gift. You know, last week, the Clark sent uh, Carla and I a card, a handwritten card, and they included a, a coffee card and said, have a coffee on us. And I'll tell you, man, it's a simple act of love that, that uh, your family gave to us, Jenna and Justin. Man, it just made the difference for us this week. It was just so encouraging to get something like that, that someone was thinking of us, that someone was acknowledging us. Man, that was very encouraging. So an act of generosity is a great way to provide a healing touch to somebody. And then I also want to encourage you. You know, we're uh, most of us have family around. Some of you are alone, but you're living in a home. Sometimes we treat each other like we got the coronavirus, you know. But we, we can hug one another. You know, we can love one another. We can tell each other we love each other. And I want to encourage you, let's, let's uh, show and tell each other how much we appreciate one another. So I want to ask you a question. What if it's you that's lonely? What if it's you that's sitting there right now and you feel alone? You know, these are challenging days. Many people are feeling lonely, feeling isolated, and it's become some very difficult times. I want to encourage you, we're a family. You know, Gateway Church is a family. Some of you have great families. You know, you have the ability to uh, provide for each other, uh, you have the ability to, to care for each other. You're close to one another. You encourage each other. But we're not a group of families. We're a spiritual family. We're God's family. And we need to care for one another. You know, one of the weaknesses that we saw that happened in this pandemic time that we have as a church is how much we depend on our paid ministry staff to provide the love for the church. And we can see, man, we need to grow in our ability to love as a family because we, we need one another. We need each other. Everybody needs to be involved in the family. And I want to encourage you, relationships are going to take work. Relationships are going to take work. They're, they're going to be difficult. In fact, there's going to be, be some hurtful times or some disappointing times in relationship. They're going to cost us something. It's going to take investment from our, from our part. But they are the answer to loneliness. You know, if you're feeling lonely, I want to encourage you. You are part of the family. And we want, we, we're making room for you. We're making room for you to be part of the family. And if you're lonely, this is what God wants for you. God wants to give you a spiritual family. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and he gave him, it gave him great pleasure <laughs> to see us connected into his family, into spiritual family, into the church. You know, don't stay alone. We're, we're creating room for you to be in the family, to be part of small group. We're making room for you to be in a group of people that can provide love and care to you. And not only just that, we're giving you room 
where you can meet people and know them and you can offer love and care to them, right? And so there's going to be some instructions at the end of the service today that is just going to help you to know how to get to be part of a connect group or be connected into the church family more closely. And so I just want to encourage you, follow those instructions. You know, this isn't a, you don't have to do this. This is an invitation to you to be cared for, to be loved, and to be part of the family, and then also to be a person that cares for others and loves others. Another thing that God wants to, to give you is hope from his promises. Hope from his promises. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. You know, this is so important. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. God is with you. He's asking you, just reach out to me. You know, reach out to God. Ask him to comfort you. Ask him to help you. Ask him to hold you in his hand. Ask him to respond to you. I'm going to ask you to do something today. But if you feel lonely, you're probably not really going to want to do it. But, but I'm just going to encourage you because there's something spiritually powerful when we can be vulnerable to one another. And we can be, more importantly, vulnerable to God. I'm going to just ask you, would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I feel alone or I felt alone recently. And so to raise your hand, just click the bottom. Just below me, there's a button there that says... Do you feel alone? I think it says on there. So just click that. Just put your hand up. No one's going to know it's you. Just you and God's going to know. You're just telling the Lord, I felt alone recently. I feel alone right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray for you. I'm going to invite the whole church corporately. And when I say corporately, what I'm saying is the whole church is going to agree together. We're going to believe that you're going to feel the presence of God, the goodness of God. You're going to feel his strength. You're going to feel his hand holding you. And uh, so just click on that. And then we're going to take some time to pray. I'm just going to invite the church. Let's join together. Let's agree together that these people would feel the love and the presence of God in his family. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Your word says you set the lonely in families. Thank you that you said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, God. Thank you for your promises, God. Thank you that you promise to always be with us. Thank you that you promise to hold us. So we just think of these ones. They're lifting their hands. Lord, we say, Lord, would you come to them and hold them in your hand? Lord, we just ask for your presence to come around them. Maybe they feel alone. Maybe they are alone. Maybe whatever, they're in a desperate situation. Lord, we just pray they would feel your presence coming invading their lives right now. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, come to them. Let them feel your comfort. Let them feel your presence with them. Let them feel the hope of God, the love of God with them. Thank you, Jesus, where they might have been rejected in their lives. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to whisper how much you love them and care for them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just send your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to these ones. In Jesus' name, let them be comforted. In Jesus' name, let their identity be known. That they're not just, they're not just alone. 
but they're the, your children. They're loved by you, God. They're your sons and daughters. They're your precious children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And you know, there's some of you that are here today and you're listening to this and you're feeling alone, not from people, but you're feeling alone from God. And I want to just encourage you, if you feel far from God, you know, it's not weird to feel far from God. You know, the Bible says our sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he's turned away and he will not listen anymore. So it's not weird to feel far from God. Sin separates us from God. But I have some great news for you. And that is that Jesus paid the debt of our sin. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved from their sin. And Jesus, you know, he lived a sinless life so that we could know God. He died on the cross and he rose victorious over death so that we could know freedom from sin, forgiveness from sin, that he could pay the debt of our sin and invite us then into a relationship with God. Not just where we would know God, but we would be loved isn't that a precious promise? And so I just want to encourage you, if that's you this morning, I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads and just pray along with me. We're just going to invite Jesus to come into our lives. We don't, we don't want to just know about Jesus, but we want to know him. We want to experience him. So we're just going to invite him into our lives. And so we do that through prayer. I'm just going to invite you to pray along with me. I'll pray slowly. You can just whisper these words to the Lord. He can hear you. Lord Jesus. Thank you for living a sinless life for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being, uh, for rising from the dead to conquer death and sin. And thank you, Lord, that you want to give me this gift of forgiveness. And so, Lord, right now, I ask, would you forgive me? Would you remove this sin from my life, my thoughts, my attitude? my actions, God. I have not lived in a way that pleases you, and I'm desperate for it. Come and deliver me from this sin. Lord, don't just wash my heart, but give me a new heart. Thank you, Lord. Transform my life. I want to live a new life, a new way. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen me, give me hope, help me to hold on to you, Lord, and I pray that you would walk with me from this day forward as I, as I follow you, Lord. Lead me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We would love to connect with you. So click that bottom. At the bottom, it says, now I gave my life to Jesus. And so we can just see who's responding. You'll be given a chance to put your name uh, in this one. And you, we'll send you some uh, resources just to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today.